Matthew 28, verse number 1. The Bible says this. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week. I'm going to pause to say that word to dawn. We think of dawn as sunrise. That's not quite what that would refer to there, and I'll explain it just a little bit. As it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door, and I love this, and set upon it. Just kind of say, I'm just going to rest here in the victory of Jesus. His countenance was like lightning, his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers, the soldiers that had been sent to guard the tomb of Jesus, so that the disciples would not steal his body, for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not, fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here. Would you say those words with me? He is not here. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord did lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you. Everybody say, into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy. And did run to bring his disciples word. That word fear is not fear as we would use it. It is with awe. They departed with awe and great joy. They did run to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, All hail. And they came at him by the feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee. And there shall they see me. My subject today, and I'll get to why it is this in a little bit. But my subject today is this. Defined by the zero. Defined by the zero. Lord, we love you. We are thankful for you. Your presence is in this room in a powerful way today. I pray, God, that for every person that has come to this service or that may watch this service, that each one would be impacted by the spirit of worship we have felt and by the power of your word, Lord, as it goes forth this morning. We will give you all praise and all glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. Someone asked me, and I just want to confirm it for you, that next year we will indeed be in the new building when Easter rolls around. For sure. We will be. Not we hope to be. We will be. As two Marys made their way to the sepulcher of Joseph of Arimathea, 
that borrowed tomb that Jesus Christ was supposed to have been occupying. There was no way that they could have imagined what lay before them that evening. It is the end of the Sabbath, the Bible says. Meaning that it is now late on Saturday afternoon. And the sun is about to go down. It is the dawning of the first day of the week, which is Sunday. Now in Jewish culture, the day does not begin at 12.01 a.m. as it does for us. But rather their day begins at sundown. You will remember that when the Lord was creating the world that the Bible says that and the evening and the morning were the first day. God begins with darkness, but he always ends with light. God allows things to begin in such a way that it looks like everything has gone wrong. But when it's all said and done, he's going to bring a great light to everybody who has lifted him up, who has called themselves by his name, Jesus is bringing light into the darkness. He is bringing light into the darkness. I do pause to say if you have a child under the age of three and you want to use our nursery, it is available this morning. So, when the Bible says that they were approaching the grave as the Sabbath ended and as Sunday began, it would have been growing dusk. It would have been Saturday evening, afternoon, Moving into Sunday. These women had been waiting for this moment. For three days Jesus had been in the tomb. And because of their laws. And the things that surrounded the Sabbath day. What they could do. What they could not do. They had been unable to come and anoint his body before now. To put sweet smelling perfumes on that body. In order to keep it from stinking. But now. Now that it is leaving Sabbath and entering into Sunday, they are coming as quickly as they can. They are coming as soon as they can in order to honor the body of their master. For even though things have not worked out as they had expected they would and as they had hoped they would, they still cannot bear the thought of his decomposing body not being cared for properly. Yet, while Mary and Mary make their way to that cemetery, suddenly the Bible says there is a great earthquake that begins to happen. The ground is shaking all of a sudden underneath their feet. They can see the rocks begin to crumble and begin to, the stones begin to fall down as they are loosed from their places that they have been. They are undoubtedly troubled by what they feel. However, they continue on to fulfill their task. And when they arrive at the tomb, they find that the angel of the Lord has descended from heaven. The angel of the Lord has rolled away the stone from the door. And now the angel of the Lord is sitting upon that stone itself. His countenance was like lightning. His raiment is white as snow. Mark's gospel tells us that he had a youthful appearance. He is the angel. And he says this. He says, number one, 
fear not. Everybody say, fear not. Number two, he says, I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. But number three, and most importantly, he says, he is not here, for he is risen. I stop to remind you today that many times before God gives you the answer, you and I need to get a good dose of fear not. In 2020, coming out of it and moving into 2021, we need a very healthy dose of fear not. We have been inundated with fear from every level. We, our leaders have been fearful. Our, our uh, doctors have been fearful. Our neighbors have been fearful. We have been fearful. Fear has moved like I have never seen it move in my lifetime. I have seen people that I thought were filled with great faith embrace fear. And I would say to you today that before I move on in this message, if there is anything you need to get a hold of, if you're going to receive the rest of what I will preach, you need to grab a hold of that fear not spirit. There is a word from God that is for everybody in this room. It is for every man. It is for every woman. It is for every young person. It is for every child. Fear not. You don't have to fear because I don't care what it looks like. Jesus is still working. Jesus is still able. Jesus is still God. Jesus is still on the throne. Before God gives you the good news, He wants you to let go of your fear. He wants you to let go of doubt. He would, he would have you let go of faithlessness, your anxiety, your troubled waters. And He wants you to remember that when He is involved, there is never a reason to fear. When Jesus is in the middle of it, we have no reason to fear. And I just feel a little something coming over me to say, Jesus was in the middle of 2020. And Jesus is in the middle of 21. And Jesus is in the middle of whatever you're walking through. And there is never a reason to fear if Jesus is with us. The invitation is given to these ladies. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And sure enough, Mary and Mary look at each other in amazement. For just as the angel has said, when they look into that tomb, he is not there. That must have been quite a moment. They had every expectation he would be there. The reason they had gone to that place is because they thought he was there. The, 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 whole, the whole reasoning behind their effort that Afternoon that evening is the fact that Jesus is going to be there. Jesus is going to be in that place. Yet all of a sudden their minds are blown. He is not there. Those four words are the most important words that Christianity could grab a hold of today. Without those four words we do not have a savior. Without those four words, he is not here. We do not have a gospel. 
Without those words, we don't have a hope. Without those words, we do not have a promise. For if anything proves the kingship of Jesus Christ, if anything proves the Messiahship of Jesus Christ, if anything tells us that Jesus is, in fact, Emmanuel, God manifest in the flesh, if anything tells us that, it is his resurrection from the dead. This final chapter in Matthew's gospel that we have read from today, it is a record of victory. It is a final reminder that Jesus remains the all-time undefeated champion of the world, that he has never lost a battle. He whom they thought was dead is in fact very much alive. He is so much alive that in just minutes from that reading, they will see him again. They will touch him again. They will hear his voice again, and they will be in his presence again. And I can't move on until I say, I'm glad I got to come into church today. I'm glad I got to come into the house of the Lord today. There is a presence that has been here when they got up and began to sing. There was a presence that began to move into this room as you began to worship. There was a presence that began to have its way in here. And I'm glad to be in God's presence one more time. But as for the place of death, he is not there. He is risen. And now, he says, he is on his way to Galilee. And that is where you should go if you want to meet him. So they begin to spread the word among his disciples, among the believers. Jesus is on his way. He's not in the tomb anymore. As a matter of fact, he is alive and well. And he's on his way to Galilee. Come to Galilee and you will meet the resurrected Savior. When I read that, I began to ponder within myself. I've never really thought about it before, but why Galilee? Why was he so insistent? You read it very specifically in the scripture twice in our reading. Go to Galilee. What is the significance of that place? So I began to dig and I began to study about Galilee. Galilee was a place that was mostly inhabited by heathens. It was not a place where the Jews were the primary population. It was Gentiles. It was unbelievers. It was pagans. It was non-Jews, a handful of Jews. It was a melting pot of many cultures of the region. There are Romans in Galilee. There are Phoenicians in Galilee. There are going to be people from many different backgrounds and cultures in Galilee. And there also in the minority are the Jews. And in a smaller minority, there also were the Christians, those who who had been following Jesus Christ. Jesus said, meet me there in Galilee. Why, Lord? Why Galilee? It's because Galilee is the place of greatest need. Galilee was the place where the people who need Jesus the most could be found. And Jesus said, I want to be in a place where people who need me are. That is where Jesus was. That is where Jesus was. Where he was not was in a tomb. The stone had been rolled away. 
He had already left long before the stone was rolled away. The stone was simply moved so that they could see in to confirm his resurrection for those that had come there. But one of the things I love about our Lord is that he is not an isolationist. He is not a loner. Jesus loves to be with people. Jesus loves to be with his creation. And when he wants to be with his creation, he always goes looking for those who need him the most. The reason he was not in a tomb is because he was not needed in a tomb. But he was needed on an Emmaus road. He was needed in an upper room. He was needed in the lives of the heathen people of Galilee. Most of whom did not even believe that he was who he said he was. Yet he went to where they were anyway. On this resurrection day, I tell you that he is still not in a grave. He is not, though yet far off. He is as close as the mention of his name. Jesus is walking through this church because this church is a Galilee today. In this church, there are people of all kinds. In this church, there are people who have fought many different kinds of battles. In this church, there are people who have dealt with all kinds of circumstances and backgrounds. In this church, there are people who feel like they've been going to church all their lives. You are the drug Christians And I don't mean because you were on drugs. I mean because your parents drug you to church. They drug you to prayer meeting. They drug you to youth rallies. They drug you here. They drug you there. We got any drug Christians in this room today? Yeah, got a few of you in here. Uh Uh-huh, I was. I can remember my parents picking me up out out of the back of the car, coming home late from a rally. And picking me up and carrying me to my bed. And I remember when I was getting older and that was happening. And I would hear us pull up in the house. And I would try to pretend like I was eating. Because I had got to that point where my dad wanted to wake me up and say, walk to your room. I did this to Asher the other day. We had been somewhere and we got home. And, and I, I kind of could tell he, he woke up when we pulled in. I saw his eye. I, don't, I never called him out, but I saw he was sitting back there. And I saw he wanted me to carry him up to his bed. But guess what I did? (laughs) I may be some dumb, but I ain't plumb dumb. I woke him up. (laughs) And I sent him. In this room today, we've got people who you've grown up around this all your life, but yet we have people, maybe you haven't been in a church in a long time, and today is your first day in a really long time. We've got people who, if we look at your life, it seems everything is together. We've got people, if we look at your life, it seems like nothing is together. We come from all kinds of backgrounds today, but we came to the right place. Because in this Galilee, where we've got a little bit of everything, Jesus said, that's the place I want to be. I want to go find people who need a touch from me. I want to go be with people who need to be in my presence. 
Jesus is walking through Sanctuary Church today. He came here today because he is looking for you. He is looking for those that don't have it together. He's looking for people who struggle. He's looking for people that have been hurt. He's looking for people who are angry. He's looking for people that are sad. He's looking for people that are confused. He's looking for people that are hopeless. He's looking for people that are in despair. He is not there because he is here. And if you're in a hospital bed today watching this, I say to you, he is here. If you're in a prison of fear today, he is is here. If you've been walking in darkness, he is here. If you're navigating the trauma of a painful childhood and the memories of it, he is here. If you're in a fight for your life, he is here. It doesn't matter the circumstances. It doesn't matter how alone you feel. It doesn't matter what you did last night. It doesn't matter what you said this morning. He is here. Clap your hands and give him praise. Because he is not there in the tomb, he is now here. This is a good news, bad news situation. I'll give you the good news first. The good news is he is with us. The bad news is for the devil. Devil, Jesus has already won the battle. I rise to tell you today, I've read the holy book. I've searched the record, and the report remains the same. As of April the 4th, 2021, at 11.57 a.m., Jesus still has never lost a battle. The disciples had watched him win numerous battles. He won battles over sickness, disease, and infirmity. He had won verbal sparring matches against the Pharisees, like... uh, Pastor Austin was teaching about the lawyer that challenged Jesus today. He had won those battles. He had won the intellectual battles against the rabbis. He had won battles in the spirit against demons and devils. He had even won the battle of temptation against Satan. He had certainly been on quite a winning streak, Jesus had. Over and over and over he had won. He won for the blind man. He won for the infirm woman. He won for the sinner man. He won for the multitudes. But they thought nobody surely could win the battle over the grave when they were in it. He had finally lost, they thought, the most important battle. That was the one with death, hell, and the grave. Yet I say again, he is not here, for he is risen. They did not understand the complete power of his word. Jesus had said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up again. The prophet had foretold it. Not one jot, not one tittle will be unfulfilled. Whatever Jesus says, Jesus does. And when he spoke that day, when Jesus said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up again, when he said those words, it was not flesh speaking, though he was a man with flesh. Flesh had said, I thirst. Flesh had said, let this cup pass from me. 
flesh had said, how long will I have to suffer you? But the spirit rose up in him that day and said, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up again. And brother, sister, that is exactly what he did. When the devil thought they had him down, Jesus came back up out of the grave. And he is victorious over it all. I got to reading an article. It was an article that was written about a man by the name of Floyd Mayweather. Anybody ever heard of Floyd Mayweather? Money Mayweather. That's what some call him is Money Mayweather. Because he makes the money when he puts these up. Floyd Mayweather calls himself. T-B-E. Anybody know what that means? T-B-E? It means the best ever. That's how he refers to himself. And in this article written by Oliver Roeder, the title of the article is Defined by the Zero. It tells us that the reason that Mayweather refers to himself as the best ever is because he considers himself to be the only completely undefeated boxing champion who not only has never lost a match, but he's never had a draw either. In 50 fights, he has won every single one of them, either by knockout or by decision. But there has never been a question whether or not he won the fight. It's never been a draw where they said it was too close to call. Every time Floyd gets in the ring, Floyd wins the battle. The author said he is indeed defined by the zero. Fifty and zero and zero. Fifty wins. Zero losses. Zero draws. I want to tell you about Jesus today. He is indeed defined by the zero. Jesus, as they sang just a little bit ago, has never lost a battle. Not one, not one, not one. Jesus has never lost a battle. That is why Isaiah said, I saw him high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. That train was a robe that every time a king would win a battle against another king, they would cut a part of their their robe off and they would attach it to theirs. And so they each had a train showing how victorious they were. And Isaiah said, when I saw his train, there wasn't enough room for his train. It filled the temple where he was. I don't think he's saying it just filled the ground. It covered the ground. I think it believe, he's saying it filled the temple. There wasn't a place in that temple where Jesus had not been victorious at some point or another. And I tell you today that that is who he is. He is Jehovah Gabore Milkama. That means he is the Lord mighty in battle. 
He is the Lord mighty in battle. He's not in the grave because he's in this room. He's in our praises. He's in our hearts. And because he wins the battle, then you can win the battle too. You can overcome temptation. And eventually, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to win the war. Satan is going to be under our feet. He is not going to have any power. He's not going to have any authority. We're going to put him under our feet because our God, who is defined by the zero, he is my God. He is your God. And his battle record is my battle record. His battle record is now my battle record. If, if the battle is not mine, but it belongs to the Lord, and if the Lord is undefeated, every time I find myself facing something, I don't know what to do. All I got to do is say, Lord, you see what I'm up against? I'm going to give this to you. In my hands, I could win. I could lose. I could draw. But in Jesus' hands, he's going to win every time. It's a knockout every time time he he beats the enemy every time never lost a battle let me tell you where Jesus is right now not in a grave not in a grave he's with the brokenhearted he's with the hurt he's with the sinner he's with the saint he's with the discouraged he's with the doubter he's with the believer Jesus is with you and I. And Jesus will meet us in our Galilee. And Jesus has given us a church that is a victorious church. In this room today, before we walk out of the doors, get ready because I'm, I'm about to prophesy something that is going to happen. Before we walk out of the doors today, there are going to be miracles that are going to happen in the lives of people that are in this room who give God the opportunity to begin to work in your situation. If you are interested in a church where everything always goes according to plan, you might as well leave this one. Every plan we've had today has been blown up. We got people everywhere. We thought we had the figured out for our seating. We don't got it figured out. I like it that way. And I'm going to probably have a heart attack if we get over to that new building and it gets like this too quickly. But I'd rather deal with that than the alternative. Let me tell you why I'm, boy, I feel like preaching right about now. Y'all, I'm about done, but y'all give me five more minutes. You got to help me in those five minutes or I'll take more. You ask a local if you don't believe me. In this church today, matter of fact, musicians come back, give them hope. In this church today, the reason people have gathered in this church, the reason you're parked down the street, the reason you're sitting throughout the foyer, the reason we came in here and got all crammed in together, and we've had COVID situations that have gone on in our country and around the world, 
and we still came here together today. Let me tell you why people came to this church. It's because this is a radical church. This is a church where anything can happen. This is a church where people get healed, where people are delivered, where people are set free. This is an apostolic church. This is a church that believes in signs, in miracles, and in wonders. This is a church that believes that as you praise God, God can all of a sudden begin to knock chains off of you. He can destroy yokes that have been on you. All it takes is a little bit of praise. It is a radical church. If you don't want radical church, this is probably not for you. But if you want a radical church like the book of Acts church, this is the place for you to be. I came here today looking for the disruptive. I came here today looking for those who take all that they can and they finally come to a point of such faith that they say, I cannot wait any longer. And they begin to do radical things in a church setting. I long for the days when I don't get to finish a message because somebody gets up and says, I've got to get down there because God's got a blessing with my name on it. Radical church. Like a woman with an issue of blood that was a radical woman at a radical church that day. Like a Syrophoenician woman who she didn't have any place to be there, yet she said, Lord, my daughter has got a devil, and even dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. She did a radical thing on that day. Like Zacchaeus, who was like me, he was too short, the Lord, to see. So he climbed up in a sycamore tree. That was radical church that day. To look up and see a guy climbed up in the tree. What kind of crazy person? I'll tell you what kind of person does that. Somebody that said, I can't fix myself. I can't handle it myself. I need to see Jesus. If I could just see Jesus, maybe things would change. Radical church like blind Bartimaeus. What's going on over there? I hear a, I hear a tumult going on. By, what's going on over there? Oh, Bartimaeus, Jesus of Nazareth is coming. Jesus, the healer? Yeah, you heard of him, Bartimaeus. Je- Jesus is coming through. That's the noise I... Yes, it, Jesus, thou son of David. It wouldn't bother me if somebody that needs something in their body jumped up in our church services and said, Jesus, heal my body. Jesus, heal my marriage. Jesus, heal my spirit. Like a woman with an alabaster box who comes into a quiet setting where Jesus and his disciples are talking. And she walks into that room with an alabaster box. She shouldn't be there. She's got a history that says she has no place here. Yet she comes in because something within her says, her faith says, if I can just get to Jesus, if I can just be where he is, something could happen. And she breaks that alabaster box. She anoints him. And the Bible says it's recorded forever. Like four friends with a lame, with a lame friend. And they get on the roof of a house because they were having church like this where you couldn't get in. And they got on the roof of the house and they started pulling away the the ceiling. 
and, and all of a sudden debris starts falling in. People get to look, what in the world are they doing up there? How un- I can't believe somebody would do that. But I guarantee you when that man went leaping and praising and walking and running and shouting out of that house that day, it changed their perspective. Radical church. It requires two faith elements. Faith that Jesus can and faith that Jesus is here. And when those two things align, when they come into symmetry and harmony, there is no waiting. There is something that says, I have to move now. It's radical church. And Jesus was a believer in radical church. Jesus did radical things. He made a man's hand turn leprous, and then he cleansed it in church. He healed Gentiles, not of the bloodline, in church. He prayed late into the night. He walked through walls in the church. Got everybody all kinds of shook up. Jesus was a radical founder of a radical church. And in this church, I just want to remind you that the same God who got up out of a tomb and walked out of it and said, meet me where you need me. That same God is in this room today. He came for you. He came for me. There is nothing you face that is greater than his power and his authority. Jesus can do anything. If you believe in a radical church, I wish we would begin to respond right now to the Word of God. I wish you'd get up out of your seat. I wish you'd raise your hands. I wish you'd lift your voice. I wish you'd cry out to a God who is able. He has never lost a battle. He is defined by the zero. Jesus can do anything. Jesus can do anything. And so I say today, who are you, great mountain? Who are you, great mountain, that you would stand against the people of God? That you would stand up against a guest that walked into this room today that says, I want to be freed from that. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? I've got a God I'm going to call on. His name is Jesus. And he is going to win.